Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Well, well, well. At long and dear last, it's just you and me. You guys, Chandler is off sunning on the coast of Portugal. She sent me many sun-drenched, just dripping pictures, water flowing through her blonde hair as she swims with Ben, and what looks like a stunning European vacation. And meanwhile, I, her older sister, am ensconced in my childhood bedroom in this really, you know, quite lovely Southern California tract home. But her reality right now is decidedly more glamorous and Chandler is out of office. And I'm really excited because I have been wanting to do a solo episode and tell you all what I really think about everything. Without Chandler here, really the pop apologist police to create a filter over the things I really think about this world, I can just unleash my brain on you. And with Jennifer Aniston canceling cancellations, did you hear about that? Jen Aniston is quoted as saying she's over cancellations like everyone else. No one's getting canceled anymore. So let's go over the things I think about this world that will truly shock you. Just kidding. Um, I wanted Chandler when she first started listening to this episode for her heart to start racing, her pulse to start racing, because let's just say that when she hears this episode tomorrow, she'll be back in the real world, back to reality. And this this beginning of this episode could just be like some cold water poured over her vacationing face. Time to wake up, time to get back to work. I don't know why I'm such a sadist, but here we are. You guys, I actually have a lot of stuff I'm very excited to talk with you about. Now, before we get to it, I know a lot of you are thinking, Lauren, you promised us Deb. You promised us the Deb. And you put out a call out for questions for her. You guys asked many tender, sweet questions, which was wonderful of you. Deb and I, we ran into some issues. The first and foremost of which is that Deb would not consent to being recorded on camera. And this is a video podcast from here on out. And that just is a non-starter for us. Also, we got into a, if I'm being totally honest, a slight tiff. And that also contributed to her non-appearance on the show. And truly... It's a missed opportunity, everyone, because I had quite the fun outline prepared, quite the content to get in with Deb. So I was really excited because I was going to sit down with Deb and I was going to start with some real fun icebreakers, some show openers. Like I was going to start with a really fun little light opener, little game called Would You Rather? 
Okay. This is what I prefer for Deb. I was going to ask her, would you rather I got melon-sized Z-size implants or a tattoo on my pinky of a CTR ring? I mean, talk about a crucible of a question. I was also going to start with a little game of Mary F. Kill, okay? And if she, you know, protested to the letter F, I was going to change it to be a little more chaste, Mary Procreate Kill. And I thought this would be really fun. We were going to start with Mary F. Kill, Gordon B. Hinckley, Thomas S. Monson, or Russell M. Nelson. I mean, you guys, has anyone ever played that game before? Anyway, Deb is not here, so alas you're all going to have to just imagine who she wants to marry and who she wants to F and who she wants to kill from that trio. Speaking of procreation, speaking of sexual tension, okay, I want to talk to you guys about Irina Shayk. So Irina Shayk was pictured in Italy with Bradley Cooper last week. Now, let's rewind a bit because you might be thinking, Lauren, isn't Irina Shayk, Irina, Irina, who cares, isn't Miss Shake, the Russian leggy, gorgeous model dating Tom Brady? Well, that's what we all thought. So Irina Shake was reportedly all over Tom Brady at a wedding about a month ago. And ever since, the reports have been that they have been dating. There were even pictures of them entering and exiting the same hotel. So for all intents and purposes, these two had a budding romance. Now, Irina was last week on the Amalfi Coast with Bradley Cooper and their child. And I just want to say that I find the decision to vacation with her ex in Italy, especially the Amalfi Coast, to be a decidedly puzzling one. I would say that there's something distinctly romantic about Italy as a vacation spot. If I was going to choose to do a family trip with my ex, I probably wouldn't choose Portofino. I probably would not choose Capri. I probably would choose something like a sunny, platonic weekend in Palm Springs. There was just something to me about this location choice that called into question what's going on between her and Tom. Now, if the geography wasn't enough, let's talk about the content Arena herself put up. So, Arena on her Instagram posted a lot of thirst traps, okay? And these thirst traps, they make my thong pictures in Anguilla look like truly PG content, okay? Arena is topless, cupping her breasts furtively. For anyone watching, um, I guess I just mimicked that motion. I didn't realize I was doing that, forgot I was on camera for a second. But Arena on her Instagram You can go look at the pictures. I mean, she's absolutely gorgeous, but they're, you know, quite R-rated pictures of her in Italy on some rocks that look quite uncomfortable. She's completely topless. She wanted to do a little photo shoot. Now, in the caption, it says, Rocky Summer, photos by LB. Now, LB is purportedly the acronym for the nickname of Bradley Cooper. Okay. So, In these photos, she is, yes, furtively cupping her topless breasts and pictured in every way imaginable. There's lots of angles, lots of skin. These kind of photos would send Deb to an early grave. Now, what I think is interesting about this is the fact that she decided to post these photos and make it known that Bradley Cooper took them. My theory, if we're just going to go there, is that And I'm just going to cut to the chase. Tom Brady for sure must have dumped her because there's just no way. You're dating one of America's most eligible men, okay? Like a god among men. He's absolutely gorgeous. 
Tom Brady is one of the best athletes of all time. This is a major, I mean, if we all remember, Irina tried to date Kanye West. So clearly this girl is throwing herself at A-listers left and right. I mean, if Kanye West is clearing your bar and standard, I think that she's probably in it for not just the love, but also the clout and the wealth. And so there's no way that she is going to go on a trip to Italy with Bradley Cooper and their daughter and post a bunch of thirsty pictures of Bradley shirtless, of her topless, making it known that he took them if she is in a relationship with Tom Brady. There's just no way. I think what happened is that he must have cut it off. And so she decided that she wanted to show him what he's missing. And also she wants to make it seem like she's completely unbothered. You know, she's sunning nude in Italy. Who could care less that Tom Brady kicked her to the curb? That is just my theory. Okay, moving on to Raquel Levis. You guys, there has been an update. So Raquel has responded to some backlash that she got over her episode with Bethany Frankel. I have to say, I don't really like calling her Rachel because I I feel like I know her as Raquel and I know it's supposed to be like this shady thing, but I just want to reclaim Raquel because it really just makes more sense. So I'm going to here on how I refer to her as Raquel. Anyway, Raquel tells Bethany, she says, listen, Everyone knows that their relationship was not as it seemed. And Tom told me that they were a brand and anyone close to them knows that their relationship, it was just absolutely not as it appeared on camera. And she really kind of dug her heels in about that. She didn't just say, Tom told me this. She said it wasn't what it seemed. So on the Bravo Tea with Jeremy podcast, the host Jared said, this is a weird thing to admit because she's saying she knew this wasn't a real relationship or a relationship that had legs. So that's why she decided to participate in the affair. Whether real or not, formally, they were in a relationship despite the circumstances. If you wanted to be with Tom Sandoval so bad, you should have let him know that this tryst, this situation going on between you and him goes no further until you know officially that they've broken up. So this is what Raquel said in response. She said, 100% you're not wrong. I should have had more self-respect than that and should have respected the relationship that Ariana had with Tom. No excuses. However, looking back, I see I had low self-esteem and Tom kept telling me he was actively breaking up with her amicably for her mental health, which I can now see was magical thinking. So Rachel continues, he had a million and one reasons why they hadn't broken up yet. And it was easier to stay in that fantasy than to face the fact that the social anxiety and isolation was not worth it. So why did I bring this up? I mean, why am I rehashing Scandal I'm rehashing this because I want to point out not just that Rachel and the Bethany episode that she really kind of, she didn't just say that Tom told her stuff. She made the accusation that she knew that this relationship was not what it seemed. I mean, Beyond that, I want every girl listening to this episode to really evaluate what fantasy they are actively participating in and what lies they're potentially believing from a ne'er-do-well. So I only say this because before I met Kagan, I dated quite a few ne'er-do-wells, okay? I never dated anyone who was in a relationship, but I definitely dated guys. I dated one guy who kept me a secret and he had a million excuses for why he kept me a secret. I dated a guy who cheated on me, yada, yada, yada. And anyway, I look back on those scenarios, right? And I so wanted to believe in those relationships that 
what I was being told was the truth. And it was so hard to see reality. And I guess I just want to do a little PSA that if your relationship is not in the state that you want it to be in, okay, if you want it to be more committed, if you want a certain level of commitment or of love and security that you are not receiving from a boyfriend, you really need to evaluate what they're telling you that is preventing them from giving you that reassurance and that commitment. Because most of the time, they're selling you a bill of goods, they're wasting your time, and you need to listen and believe a Japanese proverb. And it says, a man is the room he stands in. And it's really just that simple. If a guy wants you, if he's the real deal and what you guys have between the two of you is the real deal, then he will stand in your room, okay? He will make it known that you're his girl. He will absolutely be allegiant to you and loyal to you, and he will give you the validation you're looking for. And if he is not doing that, then you need to very clearly see that he's not standing in your room and make an assessment on if you want to continue to participate in the fantasy that he's creating because you don't want to do the hard work of finding someone who's willing to stand in your room. Okay, that's my PSA. That's my tough love moment. I have a lot to get into today, a lot more to get into. Okay, did you see the text message that Kagan sent me that I posted on Instagram? about clean simple eats he said sos we are out of the chocolate flavor of clean simple eats which by the way i really didn't know that we could get it for free so i've been paying full price and just ordering because i literally am a paying customer of this company clean simple eats everyone is the purveyor of the best protein powder on the planet can we just say we've had some people get converted to the religion of clean symbol eats and they have messaged us saying you were right. It is so delicious. It will make milk taste like chocolate milk. If you get the brownie batter, or, you know, I love to put oh. the vanilla in a fruit smoothie. You just, you can't go wrong. You can't mess it up either. I would say you, it is so good. Someone texts me. They're like, does it have a weird aftertaste? I'm like, no, this is clean this is- simple eats. It tastes like melted ice cream, just mixed in cold water. And it's made from clean grass fed, perfect ingredients. Mm-hmm. What yeah. more do you people want? What more do you out want? Of this world? What more do you want? Yeah. I don't know. Cleansimpleeats.com, everyone. Go try the vanilla, try the chocolate. Use our code Popapologist for 10% off. We love the sponsor. I'll be drinking Clean Simple Eats on my deathbed. I hope so. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. But before we do that, I want to talk about our sponsor. So, you guys, if you are hearing this episode on Wednesday or Thursday, this ends on Thursday. Thursday, August 31st, you can still get 30% off at casitajewelry.com. So casitajewelry.com is sponsoring the pod this month. And if you want to receive 30% off, it's a site-wide discount. Just go there. It's fine jewelry. It's the cutest jewelry. I wear it constantly. I'm always in their earrings. Um, I have the tennis bracelet and tennis necklace. I'm obsessed. And the Discount is huge. 30% is major, but it's only valid in August. So if you're listening to this and you did want to take advantage of this promotion, go to casitajewelry.com and use code POPAPOLOGIST for 30% off anything site-wide. 
All right. So let's move on to the next topic, which is Ballerina Farm winning Mrs. American. So I know that everyone was probably at the edge of their seat wondering who this year was going to win Mrs. American. I don't know about you, but every year I look forward to pageant season. I mean, I just am so excited to get that live stream into a Las Vegas hotel, see all those gals in their, uh, never mind. Um, I actually don't. Um, I'm, I don't follow pageants. That should come as no surprise. Um, and I didn't know there was a Mrs. American. But do you know what I didn't know, everyone? Do you know what I did know? I did know there was a ballerina farm. I know all about ballerina farm. So before we get to the pageant of it all, because this is something I want to discuss, I want to take everyone on a journey, okay? I want to take everyone on the long winding roads of the I-80 eastbound all the way to the sprawling mountainsides of Camas, Utah. The set and setting of Ballerina Farm. So I found out about Ballerina Farm about a year ago, stumbling across one of their reels on Instagram, and I was as immediately swept away as the rest of their millions of Instagram followers. So you have to understand for context that Ballerina Farm really scratches a very particular itch for me. And I guess for context, before I get in too deep about the itches, ballerina scratches of mine, um, it kind of sounds disgusting. I apologize. I should say that Ballerina Farm is the farm and Instagram account, mainly the Instagram account, of a young family in Utah who live on their working ranch. So Hannah and Daniel Neeleman are the parents to seven children. I think they're around my age, like 32. I'm 33, early 30s. And their lifestyle takes quite a divergent path from most of us city folks, which brings me to the particular fantasies that Ballerina Farm just really paints for someone like me. So as anyone who has heard me talk and listened to this podcast knows, I truly yearn for an agrarian rural lifestyle. And this is really Luanne de Lesseps levels delusion and lack of self-awareness thinking she can be a cabaret star. But when I think of my fantasy life, it is looking out the window of my rustic, gorgeous home and seeing, you know, verdant rolling hills not a sight of human life in view. And this is like very serious. When I was in my early 20s, I really thought I was going to someday live this life. And I really, really had a vision for my life as an adult that I thought was, you know, similar to the vision Thomas Jefferson had for all Americans, the intellectual pastoral. I thought somehow, someday, it just seemed inevitable to me that I would arrive at a life where my days would be filled with gardening and overseeing my hobby farm, and my evenings would be filled with reading great literature by candlelight in the master bedroom of my Ralph Lauren Chic Ranch. I think I just watched, maybe watched too much Legends of the Fall, but somehow I thought that this is what my adult life would look like. So, I'm not going to digress with the disparity between my reality and the fantasy I envisioned as a young patriot, but suffice it to say that when I stumbled across Ballerina Farm, I, and I continue to be, I was immediately soothed by the fantasy of the dignified, aspirational, rural life of Hannah and Daniel and their seven children living the life of what every American really should be engaging in, in my opinion. Okay, these are wholesome 
people. These are noble people. If you give their page a whirl, you too can be delighted with the wholesome scenes of the classically beautiful mother, Hannah, with her waist-length, sun-kissed hair, tending to the seven children she birthed like a roaring, majestic lioness in the Clawfoot family bathtub. So unlike modern parenthood, with its contemporary plagues, such as corporate careers, such as screaming children who've never tended to a a sheep or herd a day in their lives. The familial life of Ballerina Farm is one of relaxed and pastoral domesticity. The children are homeschooled and spend most of their days learning as much from the land as they do from books, everyone. You won't find a television nor an iPad in sight at Ballerina Farm. No, the children pass their time helping the mom milk the family milk cow tulip. And the aesthetic is distinctly homesteader and survivalist with exposed wood shiplap walls that have never had a can of paint near them. Okay. The only thing that gives away that we're not looking at you know, videos of a family in the 1910s is, first of all, the HD definition of the iPhones these videos are shot on and like the free people and Levi's vibes that the kids and the mom and dad wear. So interspersed between videos on this account of, you know, more content than you ever thought was possible of making sourdough bread. I mean, that's another thing about this account. You will not only be amazed by just the peace and the relaxed pastoral domesticity of this family as they tend to their animals and their young, but you will also be amazed at just the amount of mileage, the sheer mileage Hannah and Daniel have gotten out of sourdough bread. And I'll just leave it there. I K. But interspersed between these videos, you know, there's one video of the daughter. She's walking out into the pasture as a rainbow appears, you know. And all, by the way, there's millions of followers. When people, you read the comments, it's like, hello from France. You know, best wishes from Italy. People love this account. I think it really creates this fantasy of a simpler life, a life that is not encumbered with running kids to activity to activity. All of the kind of gruesome, grim images of modernity that, you know, you can find living in suburbia, living in a city, telephone wires, Del Tacos, just kind of like the grossness of modern life is stripped away. And what you're left with are what seems like a very wholesome, loving family living a very simple, sweet, wonderful life. So why is it called Ballerina Farm, you might ask? Well, interspersed between, you know, hundreds of videos of making sourdough bread, you can see Hannah, the athletic tall mother, doing her beautiful pirouettes. This is a Juilliard-trained ballerina. So not only is this woman uh, raising her seven young that she's birthed herself, that have come out of her, she also is incredibly beautiful, but she's a trained dancer. So it's really kind of like there's a fantasy of the perfect woman happening, I think, on this account. And it's really just content of what I would say is family life as it ought to be. Salt of the earth people working by sunlight and the sweat of their brows. Some people, though, they look at this account and they think there has to be more beneath the surface here. First of all, 
these do not seem like ordinary everyday farmers, right? I mean, if you go and drive in normal farm country, you are not going to be greeted by supermodels doing pirouettes in the pastures while all the little children, you know, pick flowers and help make yet another roll of sourdough. No, that's not what you're going to be greeted with, okay? American agrarian life and agriculture is one of really hard work, thinning margins. There's a lot of geopolitical forces that would compromise the integrity of the American farmer, and I'll just leave that there. And so I think that a lot of people think that this is not reality. This is a fantasy. And those people would be absolutely correct. So one thing that surprises a lot of people who watch this account and follow this account, and there's not a mention of this on the account, is that Hannah's husband, Daniel, his father is the founder of JetBlue. So this is not the typical farming family in America. No, these are people connected to vast amounts of wealth, vast amounts of wealth. People a lot of times will cast aspersions at Hannah's $20,000 stove, okay, calling it the canary in this Instagram family's coal mine, letting everyone know that this family is not what they seem. And some people will accuse this family of rich people cosplaying as poor people. So I want to address these aggrieved internet spectators because I think that it is very easy to make these accusations, especially because not only is this family very clearly connected to a ton of wealth, but they have 6 million followers on Instagram. So it's very clear that they are not just needing to survive off of the pigs and the, the cattle that they raise. This is not just a ranching family. These people are also mega successful influencers. And I think when you get into the millions of followers, you're really verging on celebrity status, right? And what's interesting, and I think what a lot of people think is like this very odd disparity um, or tension is that the aesthetic of this family is very bare bones. It's very stripped down. It's almost survivalist in the real lack of creature comforts that are seen. You know, this family lives very simply. There's no televisions. There's no sectionals. I mean, it is like a very, very bare bones home compared to what they can afford, clearly. And I think people are just find it that tension or that dichotomy to be really disingenuous. And that dissonance, the dissonance between their resources and wealth and the very spare, simple lifestyle to be quite disingenuous. So my feeling about this, as a lot of people have asked, is that these are people who are really committed to a pioneer aesthetic, okay? They love the farm vibes. They love the simple life vibes. Not necessarily Paris and Nikki, but just more, you know, simple salt of the earth American family vibes. And my hot take on this is that I think that, listen, most people given the kind of access and wealth this couple and family has, and I myself would include myself in this, would probably be living something more of a Kyle Richards adjacent lifestyle in terms of summering on yachts in Italy, getting caught up in the fame, in the glitz, in the glam. A lot of navel gazing and selfies would be happening. You know, no tea, no shade. But I do think that most people, given this amount of disposable income, 
not to try to peer into their finances too much, but clearly these people are mega successful, extremely successful. Most people would not choose to, you know, have not even have a million kids, but have a million kids with very few distractions, except for, you know, chores and homeschooling. I find that the decision to live this way, even if it seems a little unnecessary, because for me, if I, even if I was going to choose this vibe and aesthetic, I would choose a much more plush, like Sundance on steroids vibes. I mean, my home, if I had wanted their kind of situation would just be absolutely breathtaking in its expanse, in its creature comforts, in its indoor, you know, sauna, steam room, pool. I would have an Amon level house in Wyoming and I would not try to sell cattle or beef. Excuse me. I would have you know, people working the farm. And I would just take a lot of hot pictures looking like I'm in a Ralph Lauren catalog. And I would post those on Instagram. That would be as like authentic of a farm life that I'm would ever be truly cut out for. And anyway, I find the fact that they've chosen to live this way to be not necessarily the total fantasy of what I'm looking for, but I'm not going to cast aspersions at it. I'm not going to hate on it because ultimately it is choosing to give their children a very singular and unique experience that almost no one has. I, if anything, I feel like envious that they have the self-control and discipline to really live this kind of life. So anyway, that brings me to the fact that I even brought them up in the first place and did this little soliloquy on Ballerina Farm. So Ballerina Farm, Hannah, she won Mrs. American. And this is for me where the music stops with Ballerina Farm. So I love this account. I love following it. Unlike a lot of people who, when I say this account is like ASMR for me, this they say this account gives them so much anxiety. They can't imagine having to deal with so many free range children with no iPads. I love this account. But I will say that the pageant stuff is where I get a little curious about some dissonance happening. And I'm, it's something I just want to talk about a little bit. So last week, Hannah competed in the Mrs. American pageant and won the title of Mrs. American. And I just want to talk about this because I do think it's an interesting and frankly confusing choice for Hannah. So I just want to say though that as I discuss this, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just trying to say that as a fan, I am a little confused. And that's similarly to how I yearn for pastoral windswept views. I yearn for answers for how Ballerina Farm chooses to participate in these very antiquated, patriarchal, demeaning competitions for someone who lives such a considered, thoughtful, disciplined lifestyle. I'm honestly shocked that beauty pageants still even exist in 2023 and not to grab the low hanging fruit, but I just think that women preening on stage and competing each other based on their physical attributes just seems like a really kind of sad event and activity to participate, especially in 2023. The swimsuit portion especially just seems so degrading to me. And I also think that beauty pageants, they were at the beginning, just based on looks. And then over time, it became it became less PC to have them. And so they introduced things that also said, okay, we're also going to look on your inner beauty. And so that's why we have these interviews. And to me, these seem like little token add-ons to try to put what to me is lipstick on a pig of a contest. 
I was talking with a friend recently about this and we were talking about this kind of baffling choice. And she made the very astute point that beauty pageants are the last thing she would do as a rich person. If anything, they would be something to engage in to climb out of poverty. Anyway, I thought that was hilarious and absolutely the case. But on a more substantive note, just kind of talking about beauty pageants in general, the stated goal of beauty pageants is to find a woman who represents idealized womanhood. So the Miss Universe contest, which began in 1952, says this. It says that it can single out one person to represent an idealized vision of womanhood suitable for the entire world. And I think what I find really troubling about this is even the idea that there is one woman who can encapsulate the ideal vision of womanhood. And I just think that in 2023, the diversity of female achievement and presentation and interests is what makes women special and unique. We all have such value and provide such value in different ways. I think I'm against the idea of any competition to be the ideal woman because to me that just doesn't even seem like a thing that exists ideals just exist in so many different forms but also i will also say that contestants of beauty contests they always fit like patriarchal standards of how a woman's supposed to present herself thin long-haired pleasant affable agreeable and i just don't know that these are qualities we should be competing on, especially in 2023. So I wanted to just kind of bring this up. A lot of people have asked for my thoughts on Ballerina Farm and her winning Mrs. American. Let's just say that I am going to give some input to Hannah of Ballerina Farm. It's that I think that if she wants to highlight her beauty and celebrate her beauty, which is something that I am for, we should all be self-confident. We should all take beautiful photos of ourselves. If that's what makes us happy and share them, we should all celebrate ourselves. I'm not against that. What I would like to see if that's what she's interested in doing is a Levi's campaign, a Ralph Lauren campaign, you know, an on-brand tasteful way of celebrating how stunning she is rather than a sequined gown in a Las Vegas convention center experience. And so I'll leave it with this. The fluorescent lights are a stark contrast to the golden glow of that Camas Utah light across the rolling pastures of Ballerina Farm, and I prefer the latter. So that is my dissertation on Ballerina Farm. A lot of you guys have DM'd and said you need to know my thoughts, and that's really it. I'm buying what they're selling, but I'm not into the pageants. All right, you guys, a quick announcement. We are running in March a $500 shopping spree giveaway. Very exciting. And to enter, all you have to do is recommend the podcast on your Instagram stories, tag us, and include a link for your followers to easily tap and listen to your favorite mm-hmm. episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. We ask that you only do this if you would actually share the pod, you know, with your friends on your story. You know, this is this is a giveaway um, of authenticity, if you will. Um, <laughs> we also ask in that same spirit that you don't mention that it's a giveaway. Exactly. Please share the pod, share it on your stories, get the word out, spread the good word of Pop Apologist, Make sure to tag us. We'll see it. We'll respond that you're entered. And then we're going to pick one person at random and they'll win $500 to go to town with. So enter this month in March, you guys. Shopping spree giveaway. 
Okay, so let's get to the Q&A portion of today. So someone wants to know the most unhinged conspiracy you kind of think is true. So I was recently listening to an interview with Eric Weinstein on Joe Rogan. So Eric Weinstein is a physicist, and I was very, very interested to hear his thoughts on aliens because I think that a lot of people are obviously wanting to know what the hell is going on. Clearly, there are other things happening in this world, um, and we have evidence of it. And I was really kind of interested to hear his thoughts because what his theory is, is that we as an earth are basically part of some larger conscious, you know, some larger network of consciousnesses, um, and we just don't know it yet. And so I'm going to illustrate this via the example he used on Joe Rogan. So there is an island off of India called North Sentinel Island, and it's occupied by the Sentinelese. These are people who migrated there from Africa about 60,000 years ago. So they have been there and have never experienced agriculture. They've never experienced any commercial, anything modern, right? These people live like hunter-gatherers. And it is illegal to go there. It's completely illegal to go there. And they just live a completely untouched life by modern human life. Um, and they've never seen it. They don't even know it exists. North Central Island is actually part of India. So India claims it. This is kind of mind-blowing, yeah. But India claims North Central Island and it's illegal to go there. They made it illegal to go there because one thing is that because these people and their tribe or whatever you want to call it, have never been in contact with modern humans. We just carry so many diseases that could kill them and wipe them out. So it's to protect them primarily. And so what I think is interesting about this is Eric makes the claim that we could be unknowingly the North Sentinel Island of some network, some network of consciousnesses or entities that have said, okay, this earth there's people on it. They have no idea who we are. We're so much more advanced. We have all this technology. We are so much more advanced than them. But we can't, for whatever reason, we are not going to contact them. We're just going to let them do their thing. And basically, we are kind of like stuck in primitive times comparatively to these technologically advanced entities in outer space. Um, and we don't even know that we're part of this intergalactic nation state. We are just the North Sentinel Island of this intergalactic nation state. I think that this is a very interesting theory. Also, Eric posits that he thinks that the fact that we've discovered nuclear energy and have done nuclear tests and there continues to be nuclear tests throughout the world, he thinks that could be a reason why we are seeing these entities now and that's why aliens are appearing is maybe they are going to intervene. They Maybe they monitor us and see that we've discovered technology and could potentially destroy everything and so they could be potentially alerted to this and trying to interfere or trying to come into contact with us to help us from destroying ourselves. I, I do just think that is fascinating. Another really interesting thing he said on this podcast, which I just thought was fascinating, was he thinks that physicists need to figure out how we can exit the solar system. So 
what Elon Musk says is that to save humanity, we have to get off Earth because Earth is just going to be eventually uninhabitable. The sun is getting hotter. And I believe it's, I don't know if it's a billion or 10,000 years, but within a certain amount of time, Earth will not be inhabitable by humans. And Elon's big thing is, is if we are going to not dim the light of consciousness, if the spark of consciousness, if we are going to keep it from going out, assuming we are the only conscious species in the world, we need to get off Earth and find somewhere else to inhabit. Eric Weinstein makes the very astute point, in my opinion, that as someone who knows nothing about any of this stuff, but what he says is like, get a grip. There's just no way we're going to shuttle people off Earth to some less inhabitable planet, right? Um, And so while Elon kind of busies himself with making rockets and Jeff Bezos busies himself with making the technology that will allow the technology to get off Earth to be created. What Eric says is this is all a fantasy, right? Like we're never going to get people on intergalactic shuttles so that they can go occupy other planets. And what he says is we need to figure out how to break the fabric of space and time. We need to exit the solar system through some sort of void that we can find in physics, a way to expand space, warp time, whatever it is, so that we can exit this current dimension of reality. I'm sure I am re-summarizing this in a way that is completely erroneous, but I think you get the point. And I found this to be a very, very, very interesting theory to listen to and hear about. And I highly recommend this podcast episode with Joe Rogan and Eric Weinstein. I think it's the most recent one they did together because it'll really make you rethink just all these projects that these billionaires are working on. I don't know if you were thinking about them to begin with, but anyway, I found it to be quite interesting. All right. Someone is asking the question, this riveting question, why I have not gone to the Eras tour. As you all know, I'm a huge Swifty. The main reason is that I was trying to be a little bit more responsible this year. And so I knew I had a ticket to go in LA. My mom had bought tickets for everyone. And so I was just like, one way I'm going to be a little bit more responsible this year, spend a little less money as I'm just going to go to the show with my family in LA. I'm going to sit in the nosebleeds and that's going to be the only show I go to. So cut to August comes along and my mom decides that she would rather do exactly what Taylor has asked all of her fans not to do. Instead of getting tickets as true fans and being a verified fan, getting the tickets properly, winning the lottery, my mom decided to be a StubHub shiller. Deb decided to be one of the people scalping the tickets and selling them at a gross profit. So Deb decided that instead of having this irreplaceable priceless memory that she was absolutely going to put a price on it and she was going to put those tickets up for sale and that's what she did and that is the reason why I didn't go to the Eras tour because Steb sold the tickets she bought to take everyone at a huge profit so you can blame Deb's greed for the fact that I have not seen Taylor in person perform at the Eras tour I was going to go in Mexico City but the ticket fell through and so I'm going to try to go in Vienna Okay. Someone wants to know how I would spice up a relationship after years of a marriage and kids. I think that my big advice for this as someone who my relationship is, you know, six years in, so it's not two years in, it's not six months in, it's six years in about. I think that you have to do new experiences. New experiences are the way to spice it up. You have to go away. I think that you have to just make a point to have at least one peak experience together per quarter. That's kind of my 
rule, have a peak experience together once a quarter, put it on the calendar, whether it's a weekend away, whether it's a big trip or a small trip, whether it's one night somewhere and you're going to partake in some indulgences and I'll just leave that there. Try some new things you've never done together. It is so important to keep having fresh experiences and creating those core memories. I think for me and Kagan, our relationship, you know, the day in and day out is great, but it can get a little monotonous. And for me, I just have so many core key memories of these peak experiences we've had together. I mean, the sheer mileage I've gotten out of our trip to Anguilla we took, that was such a heightened experience for us. And honestly, the memory of that trip and knowing we can connect on that level has gotten me through times where our relationship has felt a little bit harder or a little bit more strained when he's been busy or stressed with work and we've been having a hard time. Like in my, the back of my mind, I'm like, I know we can get back there. And so I'm not super stressed about it. I'm not super worried about it. And I think that prioritizing having peak experiences together is really what keeps relationships energized and fresh. And I think that's why I'm a little bit like nervous about having kids because I feel like we're going to have less of the ability to have those experiences and also our everyday life in terms of our ability to connect with each other is going to be degraded in quality. So if anything, when kids come into the picture, it's even more important to carve out that time. Someone asked how many kids I want to have. I want to have, it depends on how number one goes, but between one and three. It's so funny. Sometimes I can see myself living like the Bethany Frankel lifestyle or the Ramona lifestyle, just having one daughter who is like my BFF or whatever. I feel like only children always are so well adjusted. It's like they have so much attention and resources that they never have any issues. Like they just are very high achieving, great kids. So I can see myself having one daughter, but ideally two daughters and a son or two daughters is the goal. All right. And a few more celebrity topics. So we have some breaking news. Sheena Shea has doubled down on her Raquel Levis diss track apples with a new tattoo of an apple. I mean, this is where I just don't relate to the Vanderpump kids at all, to these reality stars. This is just like the tackiest, weirdest thing to do to get a permanent reminder of your beef with a co-star on a reality television show. If I was Sheena Shea, sorry, I would just be getting as many laser appointments to try to remove the tacky it's all happening tattoo. I know it's not nice to say, but it's like the paw tattoo on Katie Maloney. I don't know, you guys. I just, I have a real hard time with the body art that these very entertaining people choose. And I'll say it. Erica Jane is denying using Ozempic. She says, I've always been small. (sighs) I'm so sorry, but you've actually have not been this small at all. You are so much smaller than you have been. It's like, how stupid do they think we are? That's really my question. All right. And then another quick celeb news, Kanye and his wife were in Italy. What is happening here? Anytime you see them, he is 
head to toe covered and she is ass out, tits out. She has usually been wearing just like nylons, just like mesh nylons over her entire body. It was up until the Italy trip, black nylons or a dark color nylons, but I think Kanye is now taking it to the next level and wants her to basically be naked in public, as naked as possible. And so she was wearing nude tights and a just nude bra, mesh bra looking as nude as you can look in public without getting arrested. Um, and then also they were taking a water taxi in Venice and Kanye's ass was fully out. And let's just say that the way that Bianca was sitting, it looked like a lewd act was going on. You guys, this is why I yearn for the verdant, wholesome pastures of Ballerina Farm. And I think that's why we get swept away in the Neeleman family fantasy, the Ballerina Farm fantasy, the sourdough bread of it all. It's because when we keep scrolling past those verdant, glowing pastures, we're greeted with Kanye and his wife participating in lewd acts in Italy. It's just like so garish. It's so gross. I can't do it. Okay, I'm going to end this episode with a little rapid fire Q&A, a few more. Um, and I'm going to answer ones that are very kind of basic because some of them I get asked a lot. And I'm just going to, I'm going to say it here. I'm going to answer these questions here. So one is what I ask for when I get my hair done. I ask for a nano highlight, basically pieces that are very, very small. So the highlights are very diffused, a heavy nano highlight, bright white, no toner, and I don't do any sort of root bump or root lift. So just a heavy nano highlight, no toner, because the toner always makes my hair look purple. And I just ask for it to look as blonde as possible and also as natural as possible, which is why it's the nano. Someone asked, where should I get my engagement ring? Of course, Jay Brooks. They do such an incredible job. Someone asked for my favorite lip color. You know, I don't really wear lipstick. For me, it always just looks kind of aging on me. I like a lip gloss, but I very rarely wear one. I get kind of lazy with that. I was wearing a lip gloss on my most recent Instagram post and someone's like, where do you get your lips done? And I've never had any filler, I just want to say. Someone though did ask if I'm going to go the filler route as I start aging or as I continue to age. And I just don't know, to be honest. Um, I've seen filler look really good on some people. And I've just seen it look so bad on others, even light amounts. I have friends who've gotten lip filler and it is like transformative for their faces. They look so good and it's completely undetectable. And I've seen some people where they get it and it, it doesn't seem like a huge amount, but it, it immediately ages on like 15 years. And I think that, I don't know, I'm just staying away from it. I'm trying not to get caught up in the like, Instagram perfection of it all and just trying to embrace what I have, not try to be perfect. And I'm going to try to stay away from filler as much as possible. I haven't gotten any to date except once when I was 25, I got a little bit of under eye filler and it dissipated by now. I'll never get that again because you can risk going blind, which I didn't know at the time. So I don't think I'll go the filler route. I think I'll go the facelift at like 45 route. <laughs> Tamara Judge says, pull it, don't plump it. And I think that'll be my strategy. So someone says more psychedelic content, please. Someone wants me to do a full deep dive on my entire psychedelic journey on Patreon. So maybe I'll do that. Let me know if that's something you actually do want. I'm very wary of putting out navel gazy content that people will just find boring. And then finally, someone says, how to not give enough what others think. I think that 
I just always remind myself that no one's thinking about me. No one cares about me. They're thinking about themselves. Like if anyone is spending their one wild and precious life thinking about me, criticizing me, that's a huge compliment. Like I'm utterly flattered and it's barely happening. That's what I tell myself whenever I get self-conscious, whenever I get overly self-critical, I'm just like, no one's even noticing and no one cares. Like You should be so lucky to flatter yourself that anyone is taking the time to think about you. And that's really most of our reality, unless you're Kim Kardashian or whatever. So I just, yeah, that's how I don't really care that much. I don't really think many people are thinking about me. All right, you guys. So I did it. An episode without Chan solo up. I hope this wasn't too boring. We are going to have Chandler back on Patreon on Friday. And thank you so much for listening. Love you guys. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.